0: Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we are taking a deeper dive into Romans chapter 6. Now, as we start this out, I am reminded of a quote. uh, I had to look up the name, but I am reminded of a quote by a man named Howard Hendricks, who once said that a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. (laughs) This week's text was was kind of so large and trying to get my head around it. And so uh, I felt like after the sermon, I just need to give everyone just kind of a blanket apology and say, I'm really sorry. Um, But you know what? From what I understand, a little bit of the feedback, apparently the Holy Spirit is still at work and and, uh, may have been able to make some sense out of a few things that I said. So glory be to God. So, but uh, this week's text eh? Yeah.
1: Yeah, one of our youth group kids did look at me and say, "But what if the sermon on Sunday did kind of make sense?" Yay. <laughs> um but yeah, this was a this was a deep one with a lot of theological density to it and things that it, it, it's written in a way that is not supernatural to the way we we talk and so even to try and figure out what paul is doing takes almost like a, a sentence diagram to to figure it out but at the root of it is identity
0: yes yeah. <laughs> we uh, we should have been recording a little bit of our of our pre-podcast discussion um some of this was really as we talked about it on the surface this is a discussion about sin. You know, uh, the surface issue is is sin and righteousness, um, but really, what we got talking about is the fact that that Paul really dials this into identity um, in a number of ways being uh, um, being crucified with Christ, dying with Christ, being raised with Christ, being united with Christ, um, and it and this transfer of us being from from under the the rulership of sin from being from being people who are ruled by sin to being people who are ruled by Christ and and that requires a massive identity shift.
1: Yeah, and we kind of drop in in the middle of a conversation where where Paul was just saying should we have the perspective that where sin increases we believe that where sin increases grace increases all the more. And so as we start with chapter six, he says, well, then should we just keep going on sinning? Should we just keep doing what we know is wrong? Because we certainly know that grace is going to increase to cover that. And Paul is saying, no, no, nope, that's, that's not right, because we're no longer defined by that sin. That sin is no longer our identity. It It's, we should, we should not even want to do that. And of course, then a chapter later he talks about how we've not yet gotten to that place yet, but that our identity is in Christ and not in these sins that that to keep doing them so that grace would increase misses the whole point.
0: Well, but it it gets to and you brought this up a number of times and it's it's a good it's a good perspective. You know, so often we identify sin with fun yeah Uh, like okay church is where the the good nice is but if you want fun you got to go to the sin side
1: yeah you go to the party you go to the the concert i mean we we think about what you can drink and what you can smoke and who you can spend time with and the words you can say and the music you can listen to and and culturally we've defined things uh you know these these things as fun sinful and we are willing to endure whatever consequences they bring because they were fun
0: yeah I, I, that has actually appeared in my sermons too where uh, because this year uh, the the first Sunday of the year was of course Sunday January 1st and yeah. I joked that I wouldn't preach too loud <laughs> so that uh, people could recover but you know that that's true we we just kind of accept the the penalty of uh, the consequences I, I keep using the word penalty but we're not uh, we're not accepting the penalty uh, unless we're dying, of course, but uh, we're, we're accepting the consequences of sin. If we um, when we do that and we're, we're just kind of building it into the natural um, the natural fabric of life.
1: Yeah. No one looks twice at, you know, like, oh, you have a hangover. I'm sorry. Here's some Tylenol and some sunglasses. I'll be quiet. You know, go ahead. Go take a nap. Uh, we don't yeah, we don't think twice about the the fallout of these things because the assumption is that's where the the fun is and yet I think when we when we think about sin as the fun things, as the exciting things as the where the the adrenaline is and the dopamine hits are, we miss that that truly we were designed to be alive in Christ, that all these needs should be being met in christ that that foundation that fun that deep connection that comes from relationship that when they're rooted in christ they're so much better but yet it's not nearly as identifiable as some of these other things that that we might keep doing or keep being drawn to
0: so uh one of the things that that i don't bring up in preaching is just kind of the the philosophy of preaching and what the, the easy things are and the hard things are. And, and I mentioned this, but um, you know, it's, it's really, really hard to preach identity yeah. because, and let me give you a contrast. What's really, really easy to preach is behavior. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to preach behavior. Do this. Don't do that. Uh, almost like Alton Brown's book, eat this, don't eat that. Uh, it's very easy to do that. But what's really hard is to preach identity. So it's it's easy for me to say, okay, don't drink to excess. It's harder for me to say, um, as it as it says in verse eight, um, live with Christ. Yeah. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, it looks a little bit different in each person, um, and so it's it's taking on the identity of Christ, taking on his values, his his attitudes everything that we know in the scripture and, and synthesizing that into our life. And that, that doesn't preach. Well, no. it's, it's really nuanced. It's really, um, it, it's really heady. And, and so it's hard for us to put our, to wrap our heads around it. And it's really hard for people to, to then hear that in a monologue of all things, um, and then apply it to their lives. and so but but here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to identity versus behavior, I mean our behaviors w- one of the things that's behind this is that our behavior or our identity informs our behaviors. And so uh, people who are in the science of change will actually tell you you can't stop a behavior. What you have to do is get under it to the to the identity and to the root causes. And, and that's really difficult and it takes a lot of time. Um, You know, if we're struggling with a problem, if we're struggling with a, a, you know, a sin that is bothering us, um, you know, we want to relieve that pressure right away. Mm -hmm. And so we want the, the, the behavior modification that's, that's going to give us the quick fix. Whereas what we really need is the, the, the deep identity transformation that allows the behavior to flow naturally out of who we are um, so if i'm if I'm someone who gets angry really quickly and and that's something historically that has been one of my kind of proclivities is is anger and I've worked a long time on that then the the answer isn't well don't be angry mm-hmm. the answer is looking to Christ and saying, w- "Why are you getting angry and it it really came down to a control issue yeah. And so getting under that under that, and saying, I want to be in control of my life, Christ wants to have control. I can't have it both ways. And when starting to look at it and starting to realize that, oh, I need to release control and not identify as, you know, king of my own castle and, you know, and that's hard as a third child. I saw my older two brothers get to pick their own ways and, you yeah. know, I got hang, hand-me-downs. Not in a bad way. But, um, so that was hard for me to kind of unravel.
1: Yeah. And I think we can even flip that to positive examples. You had used the phrase on Sunday, I'm nothing unless. And we fill in that blank so many different ways. I'm nothing unless I'm raising good kids or, um, I'm successful at my job or the community respects me or the church respects me or, um,
0: I make people laugh. I
1: make people laugh. I'm I'm a part of the in crowd, and all of those things are verifiable things that we can we can quantify. You know, I was invited to the right parties, or you know, look, my kids are making good grades and are respectable members of society and going to good colleges and making a life from them for themselves. Um, they got you know, married and had kids in the right order. Like, Ooh, I did it. I'm nothing unless my kids are successful. I'm nothing unless I'm successful at my job. I've achieved this level of salary or this level of proficiency or this level of respect in my field. And yet we're called to put our identity in Christ. And those are identity in Christ is so much harder to define because no one's walking around saying, "Wow, look at the self-control on that person," or, <laughs> um, you know, look at the way they hunger and thirst for righteousness. <laughs> the it's much more internal. It's much more personal with the Holy Spirit, and certainly there are fruits of those things that that are showing outward to the world, but they're not the things that are culture lifts up and they're not even the things that people would definitely say oh because of this they're it's because their identities in christ they're able to do this because their identities in christ yeah that we we just don't think in those terms which makes it much harder i think to really claim that identity and to form ourselves outside of behavior and that's that's where we come up with the list of behaviors that begin with good Christians do or good Christians don't.
0: Um, yeah. Um, it, it, you're making me think in the midst of this, um, the, the fact that identity change is such a slow process. And, and this is both a, I, I would say a warning and an encouragement that if, if you're working on identity, it doesn't, it doesn't change immediately Um, I think about what would happen if you blocked off the source of a river, all the river in that, all the river in that water, (laughs) all the water in that river doesn't just immediately stop flowing. It it has to keep going. Or if you divert a river, you know, the water keeps flowing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: until those new paths get cut out. And so, you know, there are remainders of what was that go on and it takes a while for those new paths to be cut and to be worn and to really establish themselves, Um, and so if, if we feel like we've been at it a while and we're like, I'm not sure if I see anything, one, identity change takes a while. Mm -hmm. It really does. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, my identity is in Christ. Therefore I shall not worry about anything. Um, and by the same token, like it's, you know, that's, that's not going to happen by the same token. Um, we shouldn't be looking. Then um, we should be looking for gradual movements, gradual shifts. I remember what I was going to say. We need a community around us, yeah, that knows us, because so often when those things are are gradual, we struggle to see them in ourselves yeah you know it's it's noticeable when someone like goes from having shoulder length hair to having their head shaved mm-hmm. you know that's the drastic change that we all think of where I was delivered from these sins and i was i you know I was murdering people and now you know I'm... and now I'm not exactly um but for most of us it's 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 a slow slog uh what Eugene Peterson called a long obedience in the same direction
1: yeah, and I think as we find our our identity in Christ we can still get to some of these other things the positive things I lift lifted up if my identity is in Christ that's going to shape the way I parent and you know with with prayer with effort with with discipleship that's going to shape the way my children grow up and hopefully to find their own identity in Christ if I if my identity is in Christ and I believe that that God has called me to do a certain job or career. Like I'm still going to grow in that, but no longer is that the end goal alone. Those are, those are positive outcomes of having my identity rooted in Christ.
0: Yeah. Cause you know, you can, you can try to do a good job in order to get a promotion in order to get the respect of the people around you, or you can do a good work in order to give glory to God, who has provided work and who has uh, helped you um, to obtain those skills and to use them for good and for the good of, of of those around you, the end result might be the same, but the the what's under the hood, so to speak, is totally different. Yeah, and that makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, it really does. It it, a, and I think it, again, it's hard because the world might not see the differences in in you know if the outcomes are the same a lot of a, a lot of things don't care what the motivation was but again the you'd mentioned community it's our community that's going to know whether you you achieve these things because you are growing in your faith growing in your discipleship growing in being more Christ likeness being more Christ like or if you've achieved those things by being a, a terrible human being and, and stomping <laughs> on whoever you know whoever you need to to get to the top or, um, you know, social engineering your kids way into the positions that they're in, but but it's not.
0: And I suppose even in that, it's it's going to be obvious. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're stomping people to the top,
1: that's yeah.
0: It's much different than if you are, you know, if you are seeking honor for God. I mean, those are going yeah. to be different methods and people I think are going to notice, um, kind of what, uh, one of my mentors said is living a life of intrigue. Like how, how do you do this and not get ruffled? And how do you do this and, and still keep your head on your shoulders?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I do think people, people will notice, but not as overtly. Again, I think we're talking about this, the smaller community that yes. you're a part of. Correct. And not necessarily from, you know wide your wider community of just where you live and who you interact with yeah in the in the different circles which you know as we find our identity in Christ being a part of the community of Christ is is a part of that to, def- to help us define to help us reflect the areas where we're growing the areas where we need more growth the areas that that aren't that don't that we're not getting stuck right now in the areas where we're really stuck.
0: And, and there, you're bringing out the fact that there are, there are also cultural reasons right now why working on identity and Christ-likeness is actually very, very difficult because we live in a culture, we live in an environment where we are told to go ahead and create our own identity and that no one can tell us what our identity is, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's a sin of our current culture to tell someone what their identity is, um, and so it becomes very hard when you're trying to create it on your own, and that's a very lonely and anxious place to be because well did I do did I do it right is this who I'm supposed to be well people say this but on the other hand I kind of feel like this and well wait. And the reality is that at the end of the day, any of these, and this is, this is my assertion, any human identity, anything we construct as our identity is going to fail. Even familial identities. We talked about the fact that, okay, at 35 years old, you know, I was son of Barbara. You know, I was a son. But then when she passed, I was no longer... A son and and no longer a grandson and like even those familiar familial identities were were dead literally and figuratively yeah
1: and we see that with with loss with with death but we also see it in softer ways when when life life stages change and now I'm no longer the parent of a preschooler and for me starting next year all of my kids will be school-aged kids yay but also that changes like that's a shift in my identity i'm not a parent yes. of of tiny kids anymore you know i have i've a younger family but it, but it's different than it was when they mm. were all in diapers and still taking naps and so different and that kind of thing like it's just it's a shift in my relationship with them my relationship with the world around me my relationship with their world you know up until now i've been very involved in everything they've done because they've come to preschool here at the church where i'm where i'm on staff so i'm right upstairs all of a sudden next year all of my kids are going to a school where i don't know what's going on i don't know the people i don't know the systems and if if my identity was sheerly in parenting tiny kids that can really throw me for a loop yeah as I as I shift and then you know and we see it we see it every at every stage of course empty nesters or where we really see it like whoa what am I going to do now that I don't have kids at home who am I who am I in relationship to my spouse who am I in relationship to my job and the world around me and I think I mean even even when our identity is in Christ we still struggle through those things but I think we can stay more rooted because we know that isn't all of our identity.
0: Yes. Everything can be secondary then to that. Um, It's interesting. Yeah, because I was thinking even as you were talking about that, you know, when I had to do this this year, um, but I've been in it for a couple years. Next year when addressing the preschool parents, you have to address it as I was in your shoes. Yeah. Which is a big shift. When we moved here nine months ago, suddenly because I grew up in, in the area, I went from actually saying, actually having the identity of an outsider because everyone out in Illinois was like, "Oh, you're from out east," and I'm like, "Oh, no!" And then I realized it was a, di- and I di- it was an identity issue, and now people are like, "Oh, you're from here," and I'm like, "Oh, oh, I'm not the outsider anymore."
1: Yeah, I think someone, I think in Sunday school had made a comment, or in one of the discussions we've been in lately, maybe it was session. We talked about how often college-age students, high school, late high school college-age students, fall away from the church. And, and I remember very clearly questions of identity in the midst of college, not because I wasn't sure about my faith, but I didn't know where I belonged, which church I belonged in. When I went home during breaks to my home church, I no longer felt like I identified th- there and belonged there because it had been nine months and and I missed so much life of the church and yet to go to school to go to church at at, in college I still wasn't there for the big things Christmas and Easter and and so you missed part of there it still didn't feel like I belonged there and so again you have this where do I where do I fit who am I in the midst of that and I and I do think that's at least a part of of the way we see young adults leaving the church. It's so much more than that, but they don't know where they fit anymore. Their home church has changed Mm. while they were away and yet no other church matches up to their, their home church. And so what do they, what do they do in the midst of that?
0: I think you might be hitting on the anxiety of, of some of the older generation too, Mm -hmm. because growing up, they knew the church as one way. I, I, you know, I remember, I remember, vestiges of that church. You know, when everyone went to church and, you know, the pews were full. I remember when they had to bring out uh chairs for Christmas and Easter Mm -hmm. because our sanctuary of, you know, six, eight hundred couldn't seat everyone. Um and now, um, it's it's so much different. And there's a lot of loss. And and as we look at this this scripture, you know, it says that we have been united in Christ's death and in his resurrection not in the form of his church and how much of our identity as Christians have we united ourselves then to the form of the church instead of being united to Christ. Now that's hard because the form of the church is kind of the representation of Christ that we have, but it's still, uh, but the body of Christ is still the people and and uh, the teaching of Christ is, is still there. Uh, I see you going through your notes. You're probably thinking this is not in his notes okay. anywhere.
1: <laughs> no. no, actually, I was thinking I'd written down the question. Um, where two different ways to say the same question. You know, what are the areas that we haven't allowed transformation to happen, and and you know where do we need reminded of the transforming power of Jesus, mm. and and these these shifting identities are. I think our places where that applies, like we need to be reminded that as the identity of the church shifts and we no longer become the church that needs the extra chairs or the church that does this or that or is full to the brim, whatever whatever the, the loss is, the church that had all the volunteers that now we don't have anymore. Like we need to let our identity in Christ transform that so that we're okay with whatever... The church is coming to be like it it, Mm. they're so connected and yet they're so different in that if we are rooted as a church and as individuals that our identity is in christ then then it doesn't matter what the mode of communicating that to the Mm. world is and it doesn't it no longer matters if we're reaching thousands of people or we're reaching 10 that you know, our identity is in Christ and we're being faithful to what Christ has called us to be, that, that's okay as we, as we work out what our outward identity and, and identifying markers are that the core hasn't changed.
0: Yes. And, And that's, that's a great, as I'm sitting here, you know, partially my work in Illinois, we struggled with Sunday school. In a way that some of the Pittsburgh churches and ours have not, yeah, we've had it, but we're not dealing with it the way that these Midwestern churches, Mm -hmm. um, and it's very interesting if you look at Barna's research, uh, some of the most post-Christian cities are actually in the Midwest, Mm -hmm. the the Midwest metros, and so um, what happens is we were struggling with uh, Sunday school because I think K through 12, we had three students Mm. in it. And what do we do with that? And 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 it, we were so married to the form that we couldn't think of what identity in Christ and faithfulness to Christ was outside of that form. And we really had to think about new ways. If we're going to talk to kids about Jesus and they're not there on a Sunday, well, where are they? And 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 how do I talk to them in a way that that's going to reach them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that. You know, it had to come to, um, it had to come to a very, very real crisis.
1: Yeah, it usually does.
0: Yes, it, and it's funny. It, it, mental models die hard. I mean, it's just the way of things. You can look this up, and it's, it's, it's the way that change happens. Is we will hang on to the way it was until the overwhelming evidence either changes our mind or we die. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not drink, being dramatic. That's usually the case.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why so many, and and it's not unique to churches. I would say it's unique to, or it's it spans civic groups and schools. I, that's why so often a program will continue until the person in charge literally says, I am not doing this anymore or dies.
0: And that's why it's so important to bring up the questions that, that you highlighted there is, you know, where am I not allowing you know, the identity of Christ, you know, where am I not allowing God to transform me? Where am I holding tightly? Um, you know, what are the, uh, I, a way to ask this would be if someone changed this, uh, someone can change anything, but if they change this, I'm going to be really upset. That's a good way to zero in on where we're holding really tightly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's hard work last week we talked about suffering and grief and and some of this is related to that like we have to grieve what what is changing you know we there there is grief in saying you know we're probably never gonna need 200 folding chairs in the sanctuary again like it's it it's just not who we are right now and probably won't be again in my lifetime so let's stop trying to go back to that let's grieve what it what is no longer and also look forward to what what god might have in store yes for us in ways that we can't even imagine that in ways that that smaller ministries thrive in ways that bigger ministries can't that that saying goodbye to this one part of life in the church might open the door for other things to come in and fill us with life that we can't even imagine Yeah, and 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 again, I mean, it comes back to that. My identity is in Christ, and not in what the church is doing. My identity is in Christ, not in how my family is thriving or struggling. My identity is in Christ, not in the in the way my career is flourishing or languishing. That that each of these things, I can endure the struggles, I can endure the the hurdles, and when things aren't going well objectively well because my identity is in Christ I can endure the loss of a familiar familial relationship because my identity is in Christ and and I know and I know my place I know my worth I know my the love that I have for Christ and Christ has for me and so it makes it endurable not easy in any way but but then we can endure all these other shifts around us.
0: That's right, and, and it's important to remember in this text that we are united with Christ in His death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a happy thing. Nope. No that that was that was a frightful, ghastly, traumatic ordeal, um, and we are united with Him in His resurrection, which was a confusing, earth-shaking, quite literally. Yeah. Um, you know. Event and so, if you look back over Jesus's ministry and the way that he moved with his disciples, his disciples had struggled to keep up with him. He was not predictable in ways that they could understand until after his death and resurrection, really after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It must have been frustrating at times following Jesus. Well, I thought we we're going this way today. Nope, we're going this way. What I but. Uh, mm. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And the way that Jesus, wait, Jesus, I thought, I thought that we were supposed to, that we are Jewish. We were good Jewish people. And then Jesus comes in and says, yeah, but actually that whole law that you thought, like, I'm going to overturn that. So forget everything you knew and now go in this direction. And it it does, like like we said before, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes missteps as we. As we figure out what it means to be dead to sin, to this old way of life, to this old thing that we knew, you know, that we thought we had everything figured out. It takes time to shift all that, and and there is going to be times when when we when we do keep going on sinning, when we do end up back where we started or or worse, and and that's i think that's where we can back up into chapter 5 and say there's grace for that mm. you know it, it we it's not it's not something intentional we should strive for but you know like i said before in in just a couple cha- a couple paragraphs paul makes a big deal about saying i'm still stuck in this i still do the things yeah. that i don't want to do and i don't do the things i want to do and i don't know why because i know what i should be doing and yet here I am. And so we're in good company when we're feeling that way too. But but that we no longer have the identity of being in sin. We have the identity of Christ and new yeah. life and new growth and new things to come. And so so even I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean we don't have to deal with the consequences of our sin, which is right. a whole different thing Not and not... Not eternal consequences, but the very earthly results of the choices right. that we make.
0: Um, but what defines us?
1: But yeah, yeah. Even you know, even if someone blows up their marriage, that relationship is broken. That's never going to change. But it, it it doesn't define us. I'm defined as a child of God, as created in the image of God, as bearing God's image. And so I have to deal with the brokenness of the world around me, but I also can trust that, that it doesn't define who I am.
0: Which, which shows why he says at the beginning, you know, should we go on sinning? I mean, if God's going to forgive that, like, yeah, great. And and that's not the case, but also why he says, because, uh, in verse 11, you know, to count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That in those moments, if we are feeling the weight of our sin, if we are feeling the weight of the consequences of what we have done, we need to remember that our identity is not in that brokenness, but our identity is in is in God, in Christ. And so that has not shaken that foundation, and we can, uh, by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, rebuild uh, going forward on that identity instead of the identity of a sinner, which may be the way we, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, pe- sin seems like fun. And why do we go to, that? well, maybe underneath we just are like, you know what? I can never measure up to being holy. So I just, I'm just going to lean into the whole sinner thing. That seems like a lot of fun. I can do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think of the number of, of movie plots and, and, and plot lines in books that are kind of built around, you know, a character saying, well, this is just who I am. So accept it. And, and we're being called to so much more than that, but it's scary because it, if, if I'm not, if I, I think at the root of, of that fear is, you know, what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't, stop this worrying behavior and you know and so often we lean into like you know drinking drugs and sex as this is the the three big outward sins but but i think i mean here we're also talking about the inward sins of all consuming worry and fear and not trusting and envy and pride and and all those things like well if i
0: self-worth yeah
1: self-worth is a huge one if if i stop being Envious of the people around me. What if what I have doesn't measure up? What if, mm. what if I don't measure up, to um, to what I think I should? Th-
0: that seems like it's a, a in in my experience w- with working uh, with youth at times and and so on. That that seems like that's a, a very deep seated fear these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's one of the. That's one of the truths that has been offered ever since, you know, Jesus's baptism, where you look at the fact that he's baptized before he does anything. Yeah. And the voice from heaven comes and says, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. He hasn't done a thing. Yeah. And that's the message that gets communicated. And that's the message that in Christ gets communicated to us. And somehow we have, um, we have failed to communicate that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in every respect, I mean, even, even in our parenting, I I think a lot, you know, the subtext is be a good listener, be a good boy, be a good girl. (laughs) and the, and then i will love you and, and in school too you know be a good student try your best you know write neatly get an a on the spelling test and then i'll
0: give you a dollar for an a yeah. i'll give you 50 cents for a b
1: then you're you know then you're loved by the teacher then you know be the best on the ball field or the the hockey ice or the in the the fastest in the pool whatever the yeah. sport is you know once you've what even Even when we take skill out of it, you know, try hard and have a good attitude and then you'll be worthy of... Of everyone's so, respect.
0: I, I am laughing because, uh, especially with preschoolers and so So we grew up with Thomas the Tank uh-huh, Engine. Uh-huh. And I have to laugh every yeah. time because I realized, I'm sitting there at seminary and I realized, oh my gosh, Thomas the Tank Engine is work's righteousness. Sir Topham Hatt comes out and says, you must be a really useful engine. I'm like, oh, that's not grace. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and in ways we... It, we intentionally communicate that so often and we also intentional it, we also communicate that subtly too with the way we reward people in the way you know we we talked about the consequences of our sin and identity and that like how often does the way we refer to people communicate that they're no better than their their most recent infraction you know as we as we talk about drug addicts or we talk about you know that kid's a problem kid or you know the... and
0: any mi- a minor thing then becomes a confirmation of that bias.
1: Yeah. yeah and so i think as we as we struggle with this passage to make our own identity in christ we also have to realize that in our community i mean and really as as each person has been created in the image of god like their identities in Christ too and it's up for, up to them to work out what that means but but how do we do we communicate with our words and actions and the way we treat other people that they too are created in God's image and bearing the image of God
0: yeah that's a i mean there is so much bound up in that and i think there are so many ways that that we can be applying that Mm -hmm. I mean, how do we help people understand that they are not bound by their history? They are not bound by even their present, even if they feel like, oh, my gosh, I just can't get I've had this thing follow me all my life, Um, you know. That they are, whether it's maybe they just feel like they're the lazy one in the the family, or yeah, the, the, the
1: disorganized one, the late you'd mentioned on Sunday, the late, yes, one. exactly, the the bumbling idiot kind of,
0: exactly. And and how do we help people say, you know what, that is not who you are, mm-hmm. because if we are honest, uh, if we get people through our doors, they are coming through our doors with. Huge amounts of self doubt. They're coming through the doors with regrets. They're 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 coming through the doors with shame, mm-hmm. um, and yet we have we have passages like this that are saying we can offer hope that buries all of that with Christ mm-hmm. and raises them to new life with Christ. Yeah, I, I mean that.
1: And it sounds so simple, and yet it is so hard.
0: I know, and it, but it's so compelling as yeah. well. Like th- that's the that's the relief people are looking for, and, and so many churches are because of the feel of decline. They're they're looking for, oh, are we going to have enough people to do X, Y, and Z? And 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 we're no different. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember our roots, and we have to remember the core message of Christ in order to release people otherwise they're going to they're already weighed down. Yeah. And they're not free when they come to the, the to the doors of any church or talk to us on the soccer field sideline. Yeah. Or talk to us at the swim meet or talk to us at at the hockey game. They they're coming burdened and shackled.
1: Yeah, and if if we're not careful then then all we do is reinforce that idea of you're you're not enough or um one of the previous pastors here said he thought that you know every person is plagued by one of two questions am i enough or am i too much hmm. you know like is is by my my energy my needs are they too much or you know do i measure up and really they're kind of two sides of the same question yes of do i fit in do i am i okay am i okay do i measure where i need to um and and i do think the church has to be really careful about affirming that you are you are exactly who you were created to be in christ you are enough and you're not too much and we we want you here however you can come and if that means you know, for for young kids, if that means that they're running around after worship, um, then, then we can live with that. If that means that that we have more work to do to accommodate, like that's okay because we're we're created in the image of God and, and growing in our identity in Christ. And that looks different for everybody we all struggle in different ways we struggle in different ways outwardly and we certainly struggle different in different ways inwardly that that no one else can see and yet there's hope that that those struggles don't define us that that we're not defined by the way we d- drain a community or what we can give to a community um, and there's there's to me, there's peace in that, especially, I think, especially as a person in professional ministry that can't do everything, doesn't have the time to do everything or the mm-hmm. energy, but to, on my better days when I can step back and say, my identity's in Christ, I'm rooted in Christ, and so whatever I do is good, and it, it, it's going to be enough. And does that mean there aren't ways that I can grow? And change and and shift. Absolutely not. We all have things that we can do and change and and grow and challenge ourselves. And I mean, again, that that's that process of continually growing. We never get there. No one ever says, "Whew, my identity is squarely in Christ. I am good. I have I arrived." Yeah, I don't struggle with anything. You know, we we constantly.
0: If that's the case, you've died. Yeah, and let us know how it is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you. But. Um, <laughs> To, to be able to rest in that identity is huge and something I work on all the time because it is really easy to, as a pastor, to look at other churches, to look at other ministries and say, sure. I could be doing that. Man, they have so many more kids for that. Oh, man, uh, what if we did this great thing? Look at the way they're feeding the homeless. We're not feeding the homeless. Oh, man, I wish we were feeding the homeless. What What could we be doing? And I think, I mean, that is true of parenting too you know like yeah look at that parent over there they're doing such a great job and i'm over here messing it up every day because (laughs) my kid wouldn't get out of bed until i lost my mind um you know how are all these other parents making it yeah and um and again like you know on on the better days when we can remember like god gave my kids me as a parent because they knew what i they needed and we're gonna make it through because together we're growing in Christ, and I'm growing, and they're growing, and somehow God's gonna do something beautiful with that. Yeah. Overall, even if the individual moments are a little rough.
0: Probably the best way that I can think of to phrase it is actually uh, with the now late Tim Keller. He mm. said the the gospel is um, uh, tells us that we are more fallen and broken than we ever dared. Uh, imagine so the, the the bad news is far worse than we yeah ever could have imagined um but the good news is that we're more loved and accepted in jesus than we ever dared dream and and, and that kind of goes along with the you know the the size of grace exceeds the size of sin yeah uh, and
1: i wonder if this passage is is reminding us not to get the this passage in the verses right before it not to get too stuck in any in either of those sides. To not get so mm-hmm. stuck in, well, Jesus forgives me, so fair game. Yeah. And also to not fall into this this um, despair despair of, I, I'm never going to get this right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love that where the bad news is worse than we think it is. But the good news is far better. Um, yeah. So... Wow, there was a lot in this.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and that's just we didn't even get to what was on the cutting room floor. Yeah,
0: sorry, there were actually things that that I cut out of this, if if you can imagine, um, uh, uh, little minor things, um, uh, not minor. Uh, in towards the end of the passage, when it talks about instruments of of sinfulness, it's actually weapons of sinfulness, uh, things. But this this was a, a really important conversation because we as uh, we as the American church, we, we are stuck in a culture that is not stuck. We are, we are living in a culture that is uh, having really big questions about identity. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the scriptures can speak to the heart of this and, and not give pat answers and, and give life where there is anxiety and fearfulness and, and, and pain. Uh, and there are opportunities for hope and redemption and peace, I think, in the, in the midst of all this.
1: Yeah. And thank God for that. Because, mm. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's what keeps me going. Yes. You know, it, it, it does. You You use the word despair. It keeps me from falling into just, you know, what am I doing anyway? And I think certainly we all have those days. I know certainly I have those days. But... Ultimately we trust that there's something beyond what we can see and understand. And and just like we talked about last week with suffering, you know, some of the things we may never fully understand in this life, like some mm-hmm. things we're never gonna see the fruit of in this life, we're never gonna fully understand it. But but hopefully we see enough glimpses to to encourage us to keep keep going and keep pursuing Christ and keep pursuing this identity and keep refining this identity for ourselves and then helping those in our community to do that for themselves too, by, by authentically sharing our life and our struggle by, by shaping people, by teaching, by, um, by, by living life together.
0: Yeah. I, you know, this isn't a threat, but I, or a promise, but I, I would, um, what I would give up to hear and to see someone really know themselves I- in Christ, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to see those moments where people are freed from the, the slavery of sin and find their identity open and free in Christ uh, and know the joys that, co- I, I mean,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I mean that I I know, you know, especially throughout my youth, ministry experiences we've gone to retreats and and heard the gospel and heard the good news and you know the cry of my heart is just like oh believe this please you know get it i want you to get it so bad because there's so much freedom in in having your identity in christ and not in what the world says it should be and not in how good you can perform in any one particular area like i i just i I mean that's my prayer for my Children too, I desperately want them to know that they are loved and cherished by Christ and that there's nothing they can do to undo that, which is kind of a foreshadowing for this week's, for uh, this coming sermon this week, Yeah, a little bit of Romans eight in there. Whew.
0: That's a, that's a, I, you know, hopefully if you're, if you're driving, you have not driven off the road. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is just a heavy thought And our prayer for you is that, that you would know that, that peace that comes as yeah. well. Yeah. And and pray for someone, uh, as well that, that, you know, that may need that peace, um, in their lives. Whew. Yeah. Well, Um, if you have found this episode helpful and, and we really hope that you have, I mean, this is a, a joy to talk about the, the scriptures in this way. Um, would you leave a rating and review and share it with others so that they can discover the hope and the peace of Christ more easily? And also, uh, of course, click, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. We, we love coming and doing this. We hope that you do too. We'd love to hear your feedback. But until next time, I'm Pastor James.
1: And I'm Pastor Dina.
0: And we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.